A number of years ago, I would daily listen to sports talk radio. Uh, uh, for millennials, the radio is uh, <laughs> something that is free uh, and you have to tune it, you know what it is. Um, I don't know how many people listen to the radio anymore, but anyway, I would, I would listen to sports talk radio and you know, whenever you tune into a show, uh, basically they would present an argument. You'd have like two sports talk people and they'd be like, who's the greatest quarterback, you know? This is in the 90s, so, you know, Joe Montana or Dan Marino or something. And then one guy would argue one side and the other guy would argue the other side vehemently, like their life depended on it. And then they'd get callers to call in and do the same thing. And after a while, I think I kind of picked up on what was happening. I'm like, wait a second. I don't think they believe any of this. They're just trying to get us to tune in, right? And, and, and they're, they're, they're picking these opposing sides, which elicits this reaction, this reactivity. Anyway, so some years later, I started watching uh, politics on, on like cable news. And uh, because I didn't really care about politics in my 20s, but in my 30s, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I should start caring. So I started watching and now I don't care again. But back then, <laughs> I care. So I went through this period of caring about it. I mean, I care, don't, you know, that's hyperbole. Um, but, but anyway, then I noticed on these shows, it was the same thing. It doesn't matter which station you pick, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter which political slant you pick, um, they, they all have the same dynamic. You know, the, they'll be the host and then they'll be the guest and they, they create this conflict based on totally opposing views, right? So if it's about a candidate, you know, well, candidate X is totally evil. There's nothing good, you know, and, and candidate Y is totally perfect. There's nothing wrong with them at all, <laughs> right? And, you know, and then they would fight and argue. It still goes on today. And they create all this conflict and they bring other people on. They create this conflict based upon this sort of black and white, either or sort of scheme. And that's what it is. It's a scheme. But it appeals to us in many ways. Now, I later learned that this sort of black and white thinking, either or thinking, dichotomous thinking is actually what's considered in psychology a cognitive distortion. That when people, it's one of the cognitive distortions, that people who see the world in black and white, of course, it's easier to see the world in black and white, right? We always know who our enemies are and who our allies are and who's right and who's wrong. So it's easy and seductively so but it's also a distortion because it's just not how the world is. You know, no one is just perfectly good or perfectly evil. Well, except for God, you know, and Satan, but we gotta throw them out of the mix. You know, in this life, right, our, our lives are more complex than that. The politicians are more complex than that. Uh, politics is more complex than that. Even who's the best quarterback, we all know it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers, so, um, <laughs> no, you know, it's more complex than that. So all of these arguments end up never really going anywhere, but what they do is they create this sort of, this sort of dichotomy, the either or, they, they create these camps, 
And even in the church, we have it. You know, you're only supposed to receive on the hand. You're only, well, today, because of the flu. But, you know, you're not supposed to receive, you know, on the tongue, because only the real traditional people do that, or vice versa, or you're supposed to have bells, or father's not supposed to walk around during his homily. <laughs> and so even in the church, we, we like to create these camps. And we saw it even from the very beginning in the letters of St. Paul. He's admonishing the churches about doing this. It's seductive for us to see life in black and white because it makes it easier, but it's not true. And what happens with Jesus is he begins his ministry and he's faced with a group of religious leaders who are, who are following the law so black and white that they've forgotten about mercy. You know, the Pharisees, the scribes, the elders. And so he begins to criticize that because they're focusing on just one element of the faith. The law is good. It's given by God. But they believe that just merely following the law would be enough to justify and so the Lord comes and he begins to criticize that and he begins to spend all of his time with all of the sinners, the really, really awful people, you know? And he begins to get criticized for it by, you know, the, the chief priests, the, the Pharisees, etc. Because they're seeing life in black and white. We're good, they're not. If you're this amazing uh, teacher... You should be with us, the good people, but you're not. And so what happens is he begins to get criticized more and more for this focus on mercy. And they begin, because they're seeing it in black and white, they begin to ask him, well, what about the law then? Are you saying the law doesn't matter? I mean, God gave us the law on Sinai. He gave us the law even further than that in many other ways. Divine revelation. God himself gave us the law. Are you saying Jesus that we don't need the law. Again, black and white, either or. So then we get this scene today where Jesus rattles off all these different things that you know, we should not do. Basically, he, he goes through a bunch of prescripts of the law. He says, no, no, the law doesn't pass away. Again, you guys on this side are making it too simple of an explanation. And over here, you're making it too simple as well. It's interesting because, because during my time as a priest, I'll often hear people say, well, Jesus is all about love, not about law. Again, dichotomous, black and white, either or. And then we hear a gospel like today, where he upholds the law. Actually, he doesn't just uphold the law, he makes it even harder, right? So he talks about uh, you know, like adultery. You know, we obviously know what that is, but he even says, look, if you're thinking about it, if you've got a, a whole show going on in your mind, you're basically doing it. Or anger. Manifesting the anger, you know, on someone, yeah, that's, that's evil, we know that. But even harboring it is evil. He actually kind of extends the law deeper, internally. That following the law is not merely an external sort of thing, but it's also an internal reality. And what he demonstrates is that it's both and, law and love. Or we might say, I think more appropriately, law and mercy. As he is talking today, 
There's, I think, two main points that I'd like to bring out in, in each little section of what we're not supposed to do. The first is this, that he's clearly making a point that our actions have eternal consequences. They have an eternal value, right? Because he says, if you do these things, you won't get into heaven. If you do these things, you're going to be tossed into fiery Gehenna. Gehenna is like this, this trash pit outside of Jerusalem that would always be burning because of just how noxious it was. And so he uses Gehenna as this sort of metaphor for eternal life, right? That, that we picked up on, of course, about damnation and hell. That's part of where it begins, this concept that in eternal life there can be burning, right? He's saying there's an eternal consequence to action. The second thing, which flows from the first, is that sin is real. There is a breaking of law, of God's law. God's law is meant to be followed. It's meant to protect us. It's meant to, to you know, keep us in harmony with one another and with God. His law is real, and when we break it, it is sin. And sin matters. It matters to all of us personally here and now because it affects our relationships. And it also matters in eternity. It's both and, and it has to be. Jesus who died on the cross for what? Our sins. If our sins don't matter, if God is just, ah, you know, forget about it. God's going to forgive me. It's not that bad. I'm not that bad of a person. I, I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe I am. I don't know. I can't judge. Neither can you. We really can't even judge ourselves. We don't know really where we stand before God. When he says don't judge, he's not talking about judging action. He's, he's, he's talking about judging eternal life in the state of our relationship with him. We can't really judge that. Can't judge it for anyone else. Can't judge it for ourselves. What we can judge is certain actions are virtuous or they're vicious. Right? Certain actions are loving. Certain actions are sinful. It's real. If it wasn't real, it makes no sense for Jesus Christ to die on the cross. If sin isn't real and significant, then his death on the cross is far too elaborate of an act. It doesn't make any sense for God to die for, you know, nothing. If we're all forgiven no matter what. If nothing's really that bad. No, he dies because evil is real. And sin is real. But it's both and. And, and we, we tend to, I've noticed this, you know, because professionally I hear the bad stuff. Right? Professionally I hear your bad stuff. And it seems as though, again, we, we like to put ourselves into an either or. So some of us are, you know, well, my sins aren't really that bad. You know, we've had Vatican II. There's no more sin. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's not true at all. So there's that side. And then there's the other side of, my sins are so bad, everything I do is a sin. I have to go to confession every other day. And some people do that. Please go to Father Frank. <laughs> so sometimes we... <laughs> 
we, we err on the side of, I'm just horrible, I'm just horrible. No, you're not. None of us are. None of us are that horrible. Otherwise, again, why would Jesus die on the cross for us? Every single one of us has great value, is greatly loved by our Lord Jesus Christ. We are worth it to Him to die on the cross. However, our sins are also, they also necessitate that kind of action. They're real. They're real and they matter. It's both and. It's both the Lord is just and the Lord is merciful. And He's perfect at anything He does. And the truth that we have to get to is, okay, my sins are real, but if I repent and I ask for forgiveness, I will be forgiven. We believe that. We have to be real about who we are, honest about who we are, but also remember that our God, the the whole action of Jesus Christ was to bring us mercy and forgiveness and eternal life. And it is ours to receive. Please stand.